Faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity. You're listening to Freedom Rings. I'm your host, Senator Marsha Blackburn. Welcome to another episode of Freedom Rings. And as always, it is such a pleasure to bring you happy warrior freedom fighters who are in the fight every single day to protect our Constitution, to protect the rule of law, and of course, to fight for freedom and free people and free markets. And today, we have a freedom fighter who is really breaking new ground as they are fighting every day in Washington, D.C. for our freedoms. And that is Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, who is from New York's 21st Congressional District. Welcome. Great to be with you, Marsha. It is so good to have you with us. And uh, you have such an interesting background. You've come to Congress. You were the youngest woman ever elected to the U.S. House of Representatives. So let's kind of step back in time. You're growing up in upstate New York. Your family owns a small business. You're in school. And how is it that you get involved in politics? Well, I grew up, as you said, Marcia, in my family's small business. I have two wonderful parents, and uh, they did not have the opportunity to graduate from college. They are very smart. Uh, they've achieved so much, but they really raised me with a very strong work ethic. I think you get that when you grow up in a small business family, but they also invested in both my and my brother's education. I went to an all-girls school, Albany Academy for Girls. Um, I had a great experience there academically, but also in leadership roles. I like to say my first political experience was when I ran for student council in middle school, and my promise was to bring a snack machine. And boy, was that popular. (laughs) We won big, and we delivered the snack machine. So I've been delivering results ever since. Um, And then when I was in college, I was one of the few conservative voices uh, at Harvard. You know, that is a very liberal student body, and it's gotten even more left-leaning since I've graduated. But that really helped me hone my... uh, critical thinking and my debate skills, uh, having to learn how to stand up for my principles and my values that I was raised with. Um, I never thought I would run for office. I had the opportunity to serve in the West Wing of President George W. Bush's administration. That was a great first experience right out of college. Worked on a few campaigns, got to meet Marsha Blackburn. Mm When I worked on the uh, Republican convention in 2012 on the platform committee, uh, where Senator Blackburn was one of the co-chairs, and then I decided to run for Congress. I felt that um, upstate New York and the North Country specifically, we did not have a strong voice. And it was a district that had historically been Republican for quite some time, and a Democrat won it in a special election in 2009, and he was the deciding vote for Obamacare. You probably remember, Marsha, this is when you were in the House. Um, We were not able to beat him in 2010 and 2012. I stepped in as a challenger, and I was proud to win the seat in 2014 and flip it from blue to red. I did not know I would be the youngest woman ever elected. I found that out as I was running. Uh, But I, I hope other Republican women will break that record. So how do you develop that fearless nature? 
that you can come through college and come through Harvard and you still come out a stronger conservative, a more of a freedom fighter than you were when you went in. I, th- I really attributed to the values that my parents raised me with, um, always standing up for my beliefs, remembering where I come from, remembering, you know, how hard they worked to provide greater opportunity for my brother and myself to achieve whatever our version of our American dream was. Um, and I also think uh, spending what I find in Congress, what gives me energy and really to stand up for our freedoms every day is talking to real hardworking people and not letting the biased media determine what we're fighting for, because they're so out of touch with just hardworking American people across the country, whether it's in the North Country or in Tennessee. Well, you're right. The media is out of touch, and the media has really bought into this socialist agenda. So as you help lead the House conference every day, how do you keep the message focused on freedom? Well, first of all, we are prosecuting the case against Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer's radical far-left agenda. They are embracing socialism. Uh, We are seeing that in the current spending and tax package that they're trying to jam through both the Senate and pass the House. It's the most far-left legislation ever. It's not only how much it will cost in terms of taxpayer dollars, we're talking trillions, but also very far-left policy provisions, elimination of the bipartisan Hyde Amendment. For example, mass amnesty. Um, How do we stand up for freedoms? We talk about the importance of freedoms every single day. We talk about the value of free market and making sure that our economy is thriving. And we've really seen when you have government control, like we've seen over the past two years, the economy has suffered, Uh, whether it's small businesses struggling to hire, having to compete with that additional unemployment money that was provided by Democrats, where the incentive was to stay out of work. We're also seeing when the government continues to spend, that inflation, that cost of living continues to go up for the American people. And then, of course, if you look at the global scale, America needs to continue being a beacon of freedom and hope for other countries around the world, particularly as we see a rising China, uh, which is our adversary and I think the biggest challenge that we face in the 21st century. So we talk about that every day in the House. We are fighting against the socialist agenda. And next year, as we work to win back the House and finally fire Nancy Pelosi once and for all, making sure that all of our policies, whether it's economic freedom, whether it's having a strong national security, that it's clear to the American people that we will keep those promises and push back on Biden's agenda. And you do some of that fighting against China and providing for a strong national defense as a member of the House Armed Services Committee. Absolutely. So I have the privilege of representing Fort Drum in my district. It's home of the 10th Mountain Division, the most deployed unit in the U.S. Army since 9-11. So national security issues, while they impact every district across America, they really have an impact on my district. Um, Whether you think about the catastrophic Afghanistan withdrawal, whether you think about future threats that we face, as I talked about China's investment in their military spending or their investment 
investment in emerging technologies like artificial intelligence, uh, quantum computing. We need to ensure that the U.S. is the global leader when it comes to defense. What we had seen uh, when Joe Biden was vice president during the Obama administration, and we're seeing it today with Joe Biden, our adversaries understand when there's weakness coming from the United States. Uh, we also see that the Democrats continue to put forth proposals to cut our national defense significantly, which puts, puts us at a disadvantage uh, when it comes to ensuring that we maintain our global leadership. And keeping that global leadership is so important for us as a nation and for future generations. And I know now being a new mom and having Sam in your life, that probably has shifted how you think about some of these issues and how it relates not to the next decade, but to the next century. It absolutely does, Marsha. Um, I have to tell you, becoming a mom has been the most amazing part of my life. And my husband becoming a dad, he would say the same thing. Uh, my life is pre-Sam and post-Sam. Um, it makes me more energized to fight for our principles and values, because I know that Sam is going to inherit the work that we do in Congress. And I want to make sure that America continues to be uh, the global leader when we're talking about national security issues, that we're investing in our safety and security. But I have to tell you, the issue of education, I used to look at it through the lens of the positive experience I had uh, and the amazing teachers and my parents' involvement. Now I think about it as a parent. And boy, do you not want to get in between a, a mama bear and, theirs, and making yeah. sure their student has the best educational opportunity. That's a winning issue for Republicans. And of course, we saw that in Virginia. But I'm already making sure that Sam has the best education out there uh, because I'm going to see the impact for future generations. And that is so true. And preparing them, being certain that they have the ability to live their version of the American dream is just a, an overriding concern every single day. Absolutely. And we've seen um, the critical race theory teaching um, aspects. It's been integrated in parts of curriculum. That is very concerning to me. And frankly, it's un-American. It's divisive. And parents have a right. They also, by law, when we wrote the K-12 through reauthorization bill, school districts are required to have a parental engagement policy. So schools that don't have that are not abiding by federal law. They're, we are going to introduce a parent's bill of rights. I'm a co-sponsor of that. That's one of the first things we're going to do when we're Republicans win back the majority. And I think that's a great idea. Uh, right on spot. Well, I know that um, you are so concerned about education issues and about um, the the national security issues, but small business has always had a place of prominence with you. And you've been very effective as a legislator addressing small business issues. Why is that so important to you? It's so important to me because small businesses are the backbone of our economy. Um, I represent a very rural district, but when I think about what makes our economy move day to day, it's those small businesses on Main Street. It also goes back to my personal experience. When you grow up and see the risk that it takes to start a small business and grow a small business, that helps form who you are as a person. Um, I would not be who I am today. I would not have the 
work ethic I have today were it not for being raised in that type of environment. Um, understanding that it takes a lot of work to make sure that there are orders for our trucks to be on the road five days out of the week. Um, you know, I still am able to help my mom uh, when she needs help in certain aspects of the business. Uh, and they, they work hard every single day. And I have to tell you, we see in New York State, which at the state level is very left-leaning, how burdensome regulations are, how costly they are, how high taxes are running small businesses out of the state. This is one of the reasons why we've lost population. Um, so we see that this government control, this government overreaching crushes our small businesses. We also saw during COVID uh, governors that allowed economic freedom did much better, and they actually did better in health uh, metrics as well versus states like New York, which advocated shutdowns. Not only did it hurt economically, but they have some of the poorest health records when it came to managing COVID. We had Governor Cuomo, who I dubbed the worst governor in America. He is a former governor now, but that hurt our small businesses significantly. Well, it does. And people that want to catch up with you, people that are in our podcast audience and they want to follow you, where are they going to find you online and on social media? You can follow me on Elise Stefanik uh, on Twitter, Facebook, Getter, Parlor, on YouTube. Uh, our website is EliseForCongress.com. And I also want to do a plug. Um, I am... Uh, leading the effort to elect more Republican women in the House. That's through EPAC. And we elected the highest number ever in 2020. And I have to say this is about paying it forward because Marsha Blackburn supported me when I ran in 2014. So in order to increase those ranks, we're making right. sure that we're recruiting them. Absolutely. And we want to see more of them. Absolutely. And you're going to find me and this podcast where you pull down your favorite podcast. And thank you for joining us for Freedom Rings. Thank you, Marsha. Thank you for listening to this episode of Freedom Rings. You can follow me on Twitter at Vote Marsha, Facebook at Marsha Blackburn for Senate, and on Instagram at Team Marsha. And you can always find us online at marshablackburn.com. The Freedom Rings podcast is edited and produced by Jared Cummings. Executive producers are Conservative Partnership Center and Marsha Blackburn. Together, we make Freedom Rings.